0: to know that we are in partnership together, that we could not do the things that we do in South Africa without you all praying for us, without you all giving faithfully to the work that we do. And so for that, I say thank you. You are greatly appreciated. Um, This morning, I want to share a passage that's been on my heart really a lot over the past four or five months. Has really become uh, an important passage to me from Matthew chapter 9, um, from verse 35, and before I read the passage, you know, it's, if you ever gone to a, been in a large crowd, you know, maybe you've gone to a baseball game or a football game, you know, Marcy and I had the opportunity to go to a Panthers game uh, before the end of the season, okay, so maybe it wasn't a large crowd, but <laughs> there, were, there were people there, and you're there, and you see all the people, and they're, they're, they're cheering, or they're yelling at the ref, and they're just doing what a crowd does. But did you ever stop and think about the individuals in that crowd, to think about their stories, about where they are in life, about what they're going through? Well, that's what Matthew chapter 9 gives us. The first part of chapter 9 is a snapshot of the crowds that Jesus talks about later after verse 35. And so we get a glimpse of the, the dynamics of the lives of the individuals as Jesus is interacting with them. And it culminates with Matthew 39 35 is like a summary of what's been happening and of Jesus' perception of these crowds that he sees. And so I'm going to read. I'm reading from the NASB. Yeah, from the NASB. Um, so if you see a different word here and there, that's uh, all right. <laughs> so Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few and so here we have a snapshot of the crowds and as we look inside we begin to see people the broken the questioning the grieving the desperate now i wish that we had time to to actually read this whole chapter and spend some time talking about all of these different people but i really encourage you when you go home this afternoon Dig into Matthew chapter 9 and look at these different people, these snapshots that Jesus gives us of the crowd. And so, an example of the, the paralytic. Here's a man who's physically broken. He's laying on a mat. He can't do anything for himself. And then here are his friends who take him to Jesus, who I believe are desperate. I mean, think about it. Mark chapter 3 tells us that These men, they couldn't get Jesus, they couldn't get their friend inside. And so, what do they do? They go up on the roof, they cut a hole in the roof, and they lower him down in front of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty desperate to me. They were desperate to get their friend to Jesus. And then in verse 14, you have John's disciples who come to Jesus asking questions. Jesus, the Pharisees say this. John is teaching us this. You're doing us this. We don't know. What do we do? They had doubts, they had questions. And then, of course, you have the woman in verse 20 who's been bleeding for 12 years. And she comes to Jesus. She's desperate for healing. And let's not forget the grieving either. You have the synagogue official in verse 18. His daughter has just died. And he comes to Jesus and he says, if you come, she will live. He was grieving. He was desperate for Jesus. And so Jesus looks at these people. He sees these crowds and he says that these are like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they are unable to fend for themselves. They are in danger of being devoured. In danger of being devoured by the world and its systems. In danger of being devoured by the religious system with all its rules and regulations. In danger of being devoured by Satan and his schemes to kill and to destroy. And so Jesus sees these crowds these people who are like sheep without a shepherd, and he's filled with compassion. Now that shouldn't surprise us, because John 10 verse 30 tells us, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And in Exodus 34, when God appears to Moses on the mountain, how does he describe himself? The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate. And so Jesus sees these crowds in the same way that His Father sees them, and He's filled with compassion. But compassion isn't just a warm, fuzzy feeling. Compassion moves to action. And so we see that Jesus does take action, and yet it's not the action that we might be expecting. Because next... Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, it's important that we understand this in the bigger context. Now, think about a harvest for a moment. Where does a harvest come from? Well, somebody goes out and they plow a field and they plant seeds and then they pull the weeds and they protect and they water and over time... Those plants grow and it bears a harvest. And so Jesus, when he looks at these people, he isn't just seeing the sheep without a shepherd. He isn't just seeing their need, but he's seeing the Father's hand at work. Because what we need to realize is that God has been at work from the very beginning of creation to establish for himself a people created in his image who reveal and represent him in the world. Take a look for a moment at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And this is another snapshot. This is a snapshot of the end of all things. In Revelation chapter 7, from verse 9, he says, After these things I looked... And behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God. And so God is the farmer who's been at work cultivating and preparing for a harvest. And so when Jesus looks at these crowds, he says, the harvest is plentiful. Now think about Matthew for a moment, the tax collector. We don't know a lot about Matthew, but we do recognize that When someone became a tax collector for the Romans, basically they were turning their back on their people. The Jews hated tax collectors. Why? Because they were collaborating with the enemy, with the occupiers. And so for whatever reasons, Matthew was desperate enough to turn his back on everything he knew to embrace the Romans. And yet when Jesus comes along with two little words, follow me, Matthew gives it all up, gives up the money to follow Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. You know, not too long before uh, my family and I left from South Africa, we had an opportunity to to talk with a young man. My my wife, Marcy, had met this woman uh, just several weeks before. And then one day, she gets a call from this lady, and she says, I need you to talk to my nephew. He's really in a bad way. He's, he's, he's desperate. And so we agreed, and we set up a, a, a time to meet with him at KFC, which wasn't too far from where he lived. And so sitting there, and this young man comes in and sits down and just begins to pour his heart out. I mean, he, he didn't have a job. He didn't have any prospects of getting a job. He felt like he didn't have any friends. His girlfriend had just left him. He was desperate. He was hopeless. And I looked at this young man and I said, I know someone who cares about people like you. And I shared how Jesus had come and given his life as a sacrifice so that he could live and have life. And sitting there at KFC, this young man gave his life to Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. And yet, as Jesus sees the crowds, he recognizes the harvest is plentiful. And yet, then he says, but the workers... Now think about the irony of that for a moment. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, who's going about through all the towns and villages preaching and teaching and healing the sick. And yet he says, the workers are few. So in other words, the greatest need of these people was not for Jesus to be out there doing more stuff. It was for other workers to go out into the harvest field. Because what happens when you don't have workers in a harvest field? Well, I just recently read an article about the the migrant workers. And regardless of your, you know, views on immigration and whatever, the reality, there have been migrant workers who come in, they, they travel from California all the way up to Washington and back down, and they do it year after year. And actually, it's been a generational thing where the children of these workers would then go on following their parents' footsteps. But what's happening now is that these people, they're, they're actually able to put their kids into a better situation. And so the generation after isn't coming along. And so suddenly there's a shortage of migrant workers. And so here are these farmers who've been dependent for years on the migrant workers, and suddenly they have their harvest, and they don't have enough workers to cultivate the harvest. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, what's the second irony in this passage? Well, Jesus doesn't tell the disciples, and okay, you guys get out there and start moving. No, actually, he says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Why does he do that? Why does he tell his disciples to pray? Well, I think there's several reasons, and I think the first reason is so that they remember that it's not about them. It's not about us. It's about him. It's his harvest field. He's in control of the harvest field. And so the very first thing we do is we go to him. And I believe there's another reason, and I believe the second reason is because he wants them to keep things in perspective. Think about when Jesus called his disciples. Mark chapter 3 from verse 13. It says, when Jesus went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and he could send them out to preach and to have authority. And so in other words, when Jesus called disciples to himself, the very first thing he wants is that they would be with him. Now, why is that so important? When you recognize we are broken people living in a broken world. And so we need to be with Jesus so that he can bring healing and restoration into our lives So that when we go out to do what he's called us and given us to do, we can do it in the way that he wants us to do it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I think there's a third reason why Jesus tells the disciples first to pray. And I believe that that's because he wants to level the playing field. Now some of us sitting here might say, you know what, I I can't go, I can't share my faith. You know, I can't, I can't lead a Bible study. I can't tell someone about Jesus. Okay, but can you pray? And so Jesus says first, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then what happens next? Well, if you go into chapter 10, you see the disciples actually going out into the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. And actually, it's the very first way that we can be with Jesus is in prayer. That's where we meet him, that's where we get to know him, and that's where he begins to shape us and to transform us into all that we're meant to be. You know, it's not about getting on a plane and going to another country. It's about making disciples as you go. It's not about being a missionary like Paul or an evangelist like Billy Graham. But it's about embracing what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God has prepared in advance that we might walk in them. So in other words, God has given each one of us gifts and abilities and skills and personality and things that we can use, things that when we make them available, God uses them in his harvest field to bring in his harvest. And Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And one of the reasons that this passage has become so important to me is because I realize that's what I do what I do. That's why for the past 32 years or so I've been involved in ministry overseas especially. Because the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. And I realize also that's why East Mountain exists. It's so that we can disciple leaders, men and women who will go into the harvest field using their gifts, using their skills to bring in the harvest that God has been preparing. So my prayer this morning for each of you is that you would respond to Jesus' invitation First, to begin to pray for workers to be sent out into the harvest field. But then second, to listen to his responses to your prayers and to what he would do in you so that he can also work through you to put your gifts and your talents at his disposal to bring in the harvest that he has already prepared. Let's pray. Father, once again, I just thank you that you are our God and that you love us so much that you you reached into our lives and you drew us to yourself. You made us your children. And not only that, Lord, but also you've invited us into your word. You've gifted us, you equip us, you prepare us, and you give us the privilege of joining you in what you're doing in this world. Lord, when we look around us, we recognize indeed that people are broken. They are like sheep without a shepherd. There is such an incredible need. They need you. But you've said they need us to bring you to them. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers, my sisters this morning. I pray that you would give them grace to look to you, to trust you, to respond to you, to allow you to do your work in them and to do your work through them, that you would be glorified through the harvest that is brought in. Father, we thank you so much, and we love you. Amen. And again, just want to invite you to stay for lunch um, as I share more stories, share more about East Mountain. Um, But if you aren't able to stay, uh, on the table out as you come in, I did put some prayer cards. Uh, There's some information about our ministry and some of the things that are going on that you're welcome to take. And also, uh, there's a sign-up sheet if you'd like to get our prayer updates by email. Then you can put your address on there, and we'll sign you up.